RadioInfluence.com. This is the MMA Report with Jason Floyd on Radio Influence. Welcome into the Sunday edition of the MMA Report podcast. I am Jason Floyd. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. And this is the interview edition of the MMA Report podcast. And come up here on this episode, you're going to hear the conversations I had with Lights Out Championship President Matt Frindo. They have got a fight card coming up on Friday. Of course, a fight card that has gone through a change was supposed to be headlined by a vacant title matchup between Mando Gutierrez and Sean McPadden. However, Mando Gutierrez has pulled out of that fight due to an injury, and Sean McPadden will no longer be on the fight. Card and now the new main event will be the undefeated phenom Austin Bashy taking on Chris San Jose, which will be the other interview here on this week's uh, this edition of the MMA Report podcast. Of course, the Sunday edition of the podcast is the interview edition of the show. Of course, I appreciate everyone taking time out of your day to download and listen to this episode of the MMA Report podcast. Of course, great way to show your support for the podcast. Leave a rating and review that truly does help us out a ton. But of course, uh, last night was UFC Austin. Josh Emmett walks away with a split decision victory against Calvin Cater. Uh, I was uh, I actually watched this fight after the fact, as, of course, uh, last night went out for the lighting game, and, boy, did they get their butts handed to them. But, uh, you know, so I watched this. I watched the prelims live, but watched the main card after the fact. And, uh, personally, I do not agree with the judge's decision. Uh, I mean, look, I don't think it's a robbery by any stretch of the imagination. I just think it's a close fight. I will say that when I look at it over made decisions and I look at these scorecards for this one a, a scorecard that to me is odd on this one is the Chris Lee scorecard and particularly how he gave the fourth round for Josh Emmett not giving it to Calvin Cater I thought that was the round that was that was a clear round uh, for Calvin Cater I thought uh, the other rounds were all pretty close uh, but I think uh, you know from you know talking to a lot of people how they scored it seems like you know two four and five are, are the rounds that everyone is scoring for Calvin Cater, uh, but uh, you know a close fight. Uh, unfortunately for Calvin Cater, doesn't go his way. I thought he scored, he uh, won the fight, uh, but of course uh, the judges' scorecards I think also show the fact of how this was a close fight. And based on your vantage point, maybe you see a fight differently. Is uh, all three judges gave the first round to Josh Emmett in the second round. Two of the three judges gave it to Calvin Cater, the only judge who did not score the first round. Excuse me, did not score the second round for Calvin Cater was Sal Diamato. By the way, Sal Diamato, uh, who scored the fight forty-eight to forty-seven for Josh Emmett, gave the first, second, and third round to Josh Emmett. Douglas Crosby, who had the fight uh, forty-eight to forty-seven, he gave Josh Emmett the first and the third round. That this would be the scorecard that I agree with. And then Chris Lee, he gave. Gave Emmett the first, third, and fourth while giving the second and fifth to Calvin Cater. But, uh, you know, really just one of those scorecards that you look at and you just kind of say, man, man, that's the Chris Lee scorecard, the one that, that really sticks out to me. And I know, obviously, if you had some money on Calvin Cater, you're probably pretty upset 
about that result. But overall, I mean, look, it, it was a good fight, you know, and, and I think that's all we can ask for as fight fans, a high level fight. And, you know, one of the things that I will say that I was certainly wrong when it comes to that fight card to me would be, I thought that potentially uh, if this fight did hit the fourth or fifth round, which obviously it did, that would be advantage Calvin Cater, even though I did score uh, the fourth and fifth round for Calvin Cater. I thought Josh Emmett looked very good in the fourth and fifth round. Uh, so, uh, you know, Josh, Emmett definitely proved me wrong in that one. Uh, also, uh, looking at the other results that took place last night, Kevin Holland uh, gets a submission win there in the second round. And, man, Kevin Holland looks really good at 170 pounds. See what he looks like there. Uh, Adrian Yanez going out there and getting a first-round victory against Tony Kelly. And, of course, uh, all that. Uh, right before I started recording this show, I saw a tweet uh, that someone had had mentioned about what Tony Kelly had put on his uh, Instagram, and uh, you know one of the things that I'll say this and and the tweet for the, the Instagram post was Tony Kelly from the ceremonial weigh-ins where he's flicking off the crowd, where he uh, the caption is at the end of the day is still f you haters who's next, and with everything that has happened with Tony Kelly. It would not surprise me at all that the UFC cut ties with Tony Kelly at this point, and they just move on in, in a different direction. But we'll see what happens there. Uh, before we get into the interviews, do want to mention I did watch the PFL show on Friday, and, and I tweeted about this. And you know, I just hope that the PFL listens to the people who consume their product. The pacing of that broadcast was just not enjoyable as someone sitting on his couch as we're an hour and 45 minutes into the main card and we've only had three fights in an hour and 45 minutes. And, you know, look, and I tweet about this. I want to see the PFL succeed. But from a consumer aspect of sitting on my couch on a Friday night, that was just not an enjoyable product to watch when it comes to pacing. Of course, you know, we have, you know, fights going the distance. That doesn't help your case at all. But it's just one of those things of like, man, you, you got to kind of eliminate some of this filler content because at the end of the day, what, what are we there when we tune into an MMA broadcast? We're there to watch fights. We're not there to watch all of this filler content. And I just hope that the PFL listens to that criticism and, and doesn't view it in a way of, oh, those people, they're haters, whatnot. I just hope they look at it because I want to see the PFL succeed. And, and it's just one of those things. And, and I'll tell you, like this stage of the PFL, the, the second stage, stage of their season is the stage I love the most about the PFL because you walk into these scenarios with you know what fighters have to do you know how you know several fights where you saw the fact of hey this fighter has to go out and score a first round stoppage a second round stoppage it creates this drama to the broadcast which I personally love like you know you, you think about the Jeremy Stevens fight I mean it's like both those guys knew they had to get a stoppage victory and you know with Jeremy Stevens it's it's one of these things of of what has happened to him throwing combination just throwing kind of this one-off shots here uh, of course he does not get into uh, the next into the playoffs of this uh, of course uh, also the main event I have no idea how a, a clay call. I mean, he got screwed. I mean, plain and simple. I mean, that, that was a bad scorecard. Uh, he should have got the victory there. That, that to me was just one that just really, I, I couldn't believe, it. I think I put the, the gif out there of come on, man, that just could not go out there and do that. But of course, when you look at the light heavyweight tournament, uh, you've got uh, Robert Wilkinson and Delon Monte 
have uh, secured their spot. Also, you have Antonio Carlos Jr. and Omari Akhmedov. They secure their spot. Akhmedov and Carlos Jr. will now meet in the in the playoffs. The other matchup will be Robert Wilkinson versus Delon Monte. And of course, you know, I talked about that drama. De, you know, Delon Monte won earlier in the fight and knew that uh, I, I forget who who it was that you know the, they had to get a stoppage in like ninety two seconds to to walk out there. Uh, but uh, you know, you feel for like someone like a Josh Salvaria who you know steps in, gets that first round finish, and, and he just misses out in terms of the tiebreaker. Of course, uh, when it comes to the lightweight division, uh, you have Anthony Pettis right now, the leader in the clubhouse. He has got six points. Uh, Olivia Aubin-Mercier and Alex Martinez have secured spots there. And, of course, uh, now you've got come up here this week, Anthony Pettis taking on Stevie Ray. Stevie Ray fighting for his chance to make it into the playoffs. And for him, it's a situation for your Stevie Ray. You know, you go out there and get a first or second round finish against Anthony Pettis. You're in the playoffs. And, and so that's what you love about that scenario of what he can go out there and do. Of course, uh, Hoshman Fio, he's got four points. So he is going to be the biggest Anthony Pettis fan, uh, potentially who would face Anthony Pettis in the playoffs there. Uh, but uh, of course, we'll see what happens there with the PFL. But, you know, look, it's just, it's one of those things for me with the PFL of just like, I, I just, I sat there and I was like, God, man, this, this broadcast is just taking forever. And I just hope they kind of look at there. Of course, uh, the PFL will be uh, here on Friday for their, uh, the, the next event for them. And of course, uh, that preliminary card is going to start at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time, and the main card will be on at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. The uh, prelims on ESPN Plus main card will be on ESPN. Of course, uh, headline, this will be the heavyweights will be a part of this card. Also, the featherweights on this card. Uh, Bruno Capazzalo will be in the main event. Of course, mentioned about that pass and, and Ray matchup. Uh, you look at those featherweight matchups. You got uh, Way taking on Bokniak. Also, uh, you look at you got Jenkins uh, on part of this card. Lance Palmer, Shaman Race, uh, Brent Lawfoy, and Boston Salmon. I think that is potentially the fight that could steal the show just because of their fighting styles. Two guys who want to keep it on the feet, so that should be a fun matchup. Of course, also uh, we've got the UFC of uh, this weekend as well. That's going to be the car that's going to be headlined by uh, Gamrot uh, in the main event of that fight card, taking on Sarukian. So uh, notable matchup there. In the UFC light heavyweight division. Also, you got uh, Rachmanov and Magni. That is your co-main event of that fight card. Uh, Umar Namagamadoff. He's taking on Nate Manis is on that card. Chris Curtis is on that card. So, of course, uh, myself and Daniel Galvan, we'll talk more about the, those cards coming up here on uh, Wednesday's edition of the MMA Report Podcast. But let's get into the interview edition of the show, which is basically going to be a preview of Friday's Lights Out Championship number eight. Of course, their first fight card here in a couple of years. And up first, you're going to hear the conversation that I have with their president, Matt Frendo, as we talk about kind of what's been going on with him. He was working with the XFC. I think anyone's following the regional scene kind of knows a little bit of that story. And also talked about uh, his fight car come up here on Friday, Lights Out Championship 8. Joining me now here on the MMA Report is the president of Lights Out Championship. They got an event come up here on Friday, June the 25th at Back Inside Promoting Fights. Matt, uh, man, as always, uh, appreciate time. You know, a lot of times I'm talking to fires and we're, we're talking about this martial arts journey. And uh, and I was thinking about you of kind of, you know, what the last two years have been like for you. 
Like, how do you describe the last few years for you as being in the MMA business? It's been wild, man. Um, you know, I had so much momentum going with lights out before COVID started. And then, you know, as everybody else's world, it, you know, just kind of got flipped upside down. So, you know, the last two years has been uh, like a, a little bit of a roller coaster. You know, we went from um, my first son was born the day they said, you can't leave your house, stay in the house, COVID's coming. And so you know, it, went from, it went from that to four months later, you know, started working with XFC, um, started doing some, some shows with them, um, which I'm grateful for because I was able to work through, through COVID when, uh, when a lot of people in the world were not able to work, I was able to stay home with my kid and, um, and, and work that way. So it's been a while, um, you know, now that I'm, I'm kind of back in the saddle doing lights out, uh, I forgot how much work it was, uh, how stressful <laughs> this really is. Uh, so I've been going through like a little weird phase over the last couple of weeks where I've been telling my wife, like, don't let me do this again. I don't want to do this anymore. Uh, but I know on, uh, on, on June 25th, I'll be standing there and looking at the crowd and watching some good fights. And I'll be like, all right, when's the next one? So it, uh, it never fails. You know, I was listening to your interview with, with James Lynch. And one of the things that I really stuck out to me is talking about the amateur scene in Michigan of kind of where it's gone through. And you know, talked about like, I mean, there really was no amateur scene at, at one point because of just the, the financial side of it. And then he said everything kind of turned around and then COVID happened and we're right back in. So where is the amateur scene right now in Michigan? It's getting better. It's finally getting better. Um, you know, there's been a couple of shows. I was able to do a couple with XFC here in Michigan and, uh, you know, a couple of promoters in the state are finally back, um, doing some shows more regulars now. So, um, yeah, when, when sanctioning hit, it's like, it was a ghost town everybody either went pro or they stopped fighting. And then it took four or five years and it built back up. And like I said, before COVID, we had some, some really strong amateurs. Um, and then when COVID hit, like, gym shut down some gyms never reopened you know just the financial hit that a lot of those guys took they couldn't reopen so um it's finally getting better now uh you know we're definitely uh not where i would still like to be but um in michigan there was three shows in june um and amateurs were featured pretty heavily and it's the same with my card you know we've got more amateur fights than pro fights so um, it's finally getting back there and uh what's really exciting too is there's so many really talented guys coming up that um they're just not household names but they're going to be soon so i'm really excited to put some of these guys on uh, on the big stage and uh you know kind of help them kickstart their careers and uh you know i think a lot of these guys are going to be recognizable names to you and everybody else in the future yeah, you know, the thing is when I was uh, was putting on your fight card and, and looking at these amateur fights, the thing that really stuck out to me is you got a lot of guys who are making their amateur debut. So, like, it makes me think about it as the guy, the promoter, the matchmaker. Like, what do you expect out of a guy that has never stepped in there before? I mean, like, are you almost relying on their coaches to kind of give you some information? Yeah, I really am because some of these guys, um, you know, I have obviously there's no footage on these guys. So, you know, I'll talk to their coaches and I'll just, I'll be honest with me. Does this, does this kid have it? Is he, is this a bucket list thing for him? Is this uh, trying to make it a future? Like I always try and weigh that stuff out. Um, a lot of these guys that are making their debuts um, have really interesting stories. A lot of these guys are, are collegiate wrestlers or, 
Uh, I've been doing Muay Thai competitions for years, um, uh, grappling and submission tournaments, um, a family, family that has, you know, like, uh, you know, Kenny cross, I think he's been on your show before, um, his cousin is making his debut. So like family ties, all types of stuff, you know, there's, there's so many exciting things going on with, with the amateurs right now. So I'm happy that we're getting to a point again, where it's like, there's guys making their debuts and there's guys that are less than five fights that are now like continuing to fight. So, um, it's good because you know, like there's, uh, I was really worried for a little bit because I just started thinking like, who are we going to have fight? You know, like after so long, if there's only 20 guys in the division, you know, like he can only fight each other so many times before it gets boring. So I was really worried about, uh, about the state of the amateurs, um, especially like as COVID began, but it's finally getting back to where, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty exciting again to see what these guys are going to do. Like it makes me think about, you know, we were, you know, we're obviously we're kind of, uh, kind of out of this COVID pandemic era of fighting for you as a guy behind the scenes, putting cards together. Like, you know, you talked about, you know, doing stuff with the XFC, like when you were sitting there and, and the live fights are going on, on the XFC, did you feel like it was kind of weird? Oh, it was the worst. It was the worst. The first one we did was, um, November of, uh, 2021 and, we did it at the Tabernacle uh, Arena in Atlanta. I think they allowed fans, but there was like forty or fifty fans there. So uh, it's I, I don't like it at all. Like it was very weird. Like you know, I wasn't even close to the cage. I was pretty. I was kind of backstage, and I could hear the fighters like breathing. I could hear their coaches more clear, and it just was very weird. It was a very, but also too, it was kind of cool because there was a couple guys that had a little bit of a rivalry going on. You could hear them talking shit to each other. So <laughs> there was a couple of things that were actually pretty cool to see how they interact as they're actually fighting. Um, but overall, yeah, it was it was. I never imagined I'd go to a live MMA event when, and I could hear a pin drop. Like there's just, uh, I didn't like that at all. So I'm happy that we're kind of, I know obviously COVID's still around, but it's, uh, it's definitely not what it was. And, and, uh, you know, I think we're, we're definitely in a better place than we were a couple, you know, about a year and a half ago. Yeah. You know, especially with, if you have a production team that really mics up the case really well, you can, you can hear a lot of, I've always thought like, cause I, I've done some play by play stuff before. And like the, the weirdest part for me would be, when the action's right in front of you and in my head, I'm going, don't say something stupid. Don't yeah. say something stupid. And I'm sitting there going like, if you're the play by play guy and there's like literally no fans in attendance, you're, you're really on your edge the whole fight. Like don't yeah. say something stupid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, we had, we had uh Pat Militech and, uh, and, um, uh, Kenny, uh, I can't remember his last name. Rice. Um, Rice. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was thinking Florian. I had the two mixed up. Um, yeah, the, it was, it was funny because as they were doing like their intros and stuff, I was like in the bathroom. I remember coming out and being like, why do I hear them? It was just such a, it was such a weird thing, but, um, yeah, I'm glad we're, I'm glad we're past that stage of, of the pandemic. Of course, when it comes to this card, unfortunately, you, you lost your main event. Uh, Mando had to pull out. Uh, Sean McPadden and I had a chance to, to talk to Sean, and uh, I thought one of the funniest things Sean told me that him and Mando actually cut weight with each other back at LFA ninety. And uh, uh, obviously, with uh, you know being a week after this fight, I'm, I'm guessing Sean is not going to be a part of the card. Yeah, you know we uh, with with where he's at with his, you know in his in his. Uh, journey throughout MMA. Um, there wasn't a ton of fights that made sense to do. Um, the guys that kind of were available, uh, you know, stylistic and just, um, 
quality of matchup just wasn't there. Uh, guys that just really weren't on, on Sean's level to uh, to step up and make it a, a, an interesting fight. So um, he was, you know, obviously we didn't actually get to the fight, but he was uh, really good to work with. He was professional about everything. Even even when I you know, had to tell him that Mondo was out, um, you know, a lot of guys will have weird mixed reactions and they'll get pissed at me. And it's like, guys, I'm not the one that got hurt, but you know, even he, the way he took it and um, you know, he, he, I definitely would like to work with him in the future. Um, you know, he's, he's somebody that uh, I think realistically all four of those guys, him and Mondo and uh, Austin and, and Chris realistically either are going to be, or will be in, in the UFC or Bellator or, or a, a higher world-class organization soon. So um I'd love to work with him in the future. You know, the, it was devastating to hear that that fight wasn't going to happen. Um, Mondo has fought for me f- for, I mean, years, and this is always what happens to him. You know, somebody always gets hurt. He he usually has pretty bad luck with, with opponents. So being on the opposite side of it um, is not any easier for him. You know, he called me and he was very emotional about it. Um, this is not, you know, he doesn't do this. He's never backed out. So, um, you know, I, I spoke with the the doctor that um, that he went and saw, and he just said, "Hey, I, in good conscience, uh, I couldn't clear him." You know, I think he probably could fight, but I think it would damage it to a point where it would be a much worse situation for him if he did go through with it. So, you know, I gotta I gotta um, trust what the doctors say with that. And if if the doctor's not going to clear him, then I don't want to clear him either. I'm not going to have him fight yeah. if the doctor says no. So. It, it was really unfortunate, but uh, I'm really happy that we had a fight like like Austin Bashi and Chris San Jose because that's a main event on literally any other card, um, you know. So I I lost the main event, but I have a main event still. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty fortunate with that, and I'm very excited for that fight. Uh, obviously, Austin he had just won a title down uh, in, in Shamrock. He went down there a couple months ago, undefeated young kid. I mean, I think uh, I remember getting introduced to him. I, I want to say maybe before his first pro fight. And I remember someone saying to me, like, hey, man, you know, this kid's got a high ceiling. And Chris San Jose is somebody I know. Um, when you're putting this, this matchup together, what, what, what stuck out to you about this matchup? I think that so we're at a spot with Austin. I've been able to, to book his last few fights. Um, and we're just kind of at a spot where he, uh, you know, he's so young. He's only 20 years old. But at the same time, um, he's been fighting forever. I mean, he's been doing, uh, you know, Muay Thai and, uh, and kickboxing stuff. And even, you know, uh, grappling through high school and, and, uh, you know, doing, um, jujitsu tournaments, but he's been fighting Muay Thai since he was, I don't even like 10 years old or something like that, 12 years old. So, um, he has way more experience than people think. And, uh, you know, fighting somebody like Chris San Jose, like the, the Chris is on the cusp of, of getting ready to go in, you know, um, this is a fight for both guys. I think the winner probably gets catapulted into, um, minimum contender series, maybe even like a, a good, uh, straight up last minute opportunity with the UFC. So when you're, when you're able to put two guys, uh, this high level on the regional scene in a, in a matchup together, like you have to do it. So, as, as I was looking at who was available on, on, you know, when I match a card, I'll reach out to some of the top agencies, um, you know, and then I just kind of see what, what's available. And I watched tape on these guys and I was like, this is going to be a fun fight. Like there's, there's so many different ways it could go. And, um, you know, like I said, whoever wins this fight, I, I, I can't imagine they're not getting a serious look at, at a, a, an opportunity, at least on contender series, or like I said, maybe even a, um, just a straight up shot at and going to the UFC. I feel like if people just walked into Austin on the street, they'd have no idea he's a fighter. 
Yeah, you know, so he made his MMA debut with me. Uh, the I think it was a couple months before COVID started, and um, I, I I was embarrassed about it, but I I hadn't actually met him in person, so I've I've I was aware of who he was, and him and his brother obviously have been um, um, doing some awesome things in combat sports, and when he came up to me and, uh, he had like the softest voice and, uh, I didn't think he was old enough to fight. So I like made him give me his ID so I could make sure I wasn't going to get in trouble because, you know, you gotta be 18 or older to fight. And, um, he did, you know, he had like a little bit of a squeaky voice and I was like, this kid's not 18. There's no way there's absolutely no way. And then, and he was, you know, when I watched him in the cage and I was like, this dude's beating up grown men. Like, and he was, you know, he's 18 years old. He was taking on anybody who, who wanted it. So, um, yeah, he's got a ton of potential, man. And, and yeah, he, but the, the thing I like about him too, is he's so humble. Like he, he literally like, he's, he's a pretty religious kid and, um, he eats, sleeps and trains and that's what he does. You know, he's, he's never disrespectful at all. I've, I've never heard him swear. I've never heard him. Uh, he doesn't drink. He doesn't do, I mean, he's just a straight edge, like super humble, hardworking guy. So that's the type of guy that you root for and you want to see do well. So, um, regardless of what happens in this fight, you know, he's got a very bright future and, uh, I think we'll all be seeing him on a big stage soon. Uh, for people who are not, uh, in, uh, in the area, how can they watch the fights? Yeah. So I just, uh, I was able to do a, a deal with spectation sport. So we're going to have, um, I don't know exactly how many events we're going to produce, but we're going to do pay-per-views with them, um, for probably the next year. So, um, we'll have a link, uh, on all our social media pages. We'll be on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, we're still ironing out the final details of that, but I should have a link live here in the next couple of days. So we'll definitely have a pay-per-view stream available. And then, um, you know, anybody who is local, there's going to be tickets available at the door too. So we'll, uh, we'll have opportunities for anybody around the world to watch if they want to. And this is going to be the last show with the Metroplex for you guys, right? Yeah. So they, uh, they decided after, uh, I, I don't even know how many years they've been open, but, uh, you know, they, they got a good offer on, on getting out and I, I, I can't blame them, you know, like uh, entertainment venues over the last couple of years have been hit very hard, you know, COVID they haven't been able to do anything, you know, so the operating costs of, of all that stuff and, um, you know, the owner of the Delta Plex, he's a little older, so I, you know, I'm sure he's going to stick around something in some capacity, but they're not going to be a, a, a venue anymore. It's going to be turned into something different. So, you know, I'm, I'm super happy for him. You know, I hope whatever he does next, uh, you know, he does it and he enjoys it, but, um, it's, it's definitely sad to see, you know, I've been doing shows with the Delta Plex for five or six years now and, uh, had some amazing memories and some awesome fights go down there. And, uh, it's going to be sad to see it go, but, um, you know, it's it, like anything else we're going to adapt. We'll figure out kind of what's next and where we want to go and we'll continue doing them. I just don't know where yet, but we'll figure it out. Uh, let me know where they can find out all the information on, uh, on your promotion. Yeah. So Facebook is our main area. We, we, uh, we hit social media pretty hard. Uh, Facebook is, is kind of our main platform at the moment. Um, we're working on retooling our website. So the website's not up just yet, but, um, Facebook at lights out championship, um, Instagram and Twitter is at lights out fights. So, you know, when we get updates and stuff like that, we post on the social media platforms as quick as we can and try to keep everybody updated as much as possible. 
And that was my conversation with Matt Frindo. Appreciate him coming on the podcast to talk about his fight card coming up here on Friday. And, uh, you know, really kind of really interesting him talking about uh, the, the, the ebbs and flows of the amateur scene there in the state of Michigan. And, of course, uh, I know he said some other interviews where he's talked about, it, you know, really just trying to, you know, f- you know find the, those next up-and-coming fighters in Michigan. We've seen some of those fighters. And, unfortunately, he loses his main event, Amando Gutierrez, who is returning the Bantamweight, uh, taking on Sean McPadden, McShawn was a guy that I actually did an interview with. Uh, that interview is up over at the MMA Report.com. So you, you feel bad for him. Uh, send the healing vibes out to Mando Gutierrez. Uh, as, uh, you know, it seems like he's going to be out for a little bit of time here with, with that injury. Uh, but of course, uh, you know, great main event still with Austin Bashy taking on Chris San Jose. You're going to hear from Chris San Jose here uh, in a moment. Austin Bashy, undefeated guy. I remember being told about, about Austin kind of. Uh, it was either right before his pro debut or, or right after his pro debut. And, and you heard, you know, Matt talk about the fact of, you know, this guy's a, a lifelong martial artist, been doing this since he was a young kid. And I do believe the winner of this fight, if they're not in the contender series, they'll find their way into a, a UFC, maybe short nose fight uh, here over the next couple months. But uh, that is a matchup to pay attention. But of course, Let's hear from Chris San Jose. I had a chance to uh, speak with him a couple weeks ago about his matchup here against Austin Bashy. Joining me now here on the MMA Report is a man that's going to be a part of the Lights Out Championship go- show coming up here at the end of the month, June the 25th, as he takes on Austin Bashy. Chris, man, as always, uh, appreciate it. It's been a long time. You know, when, when Ed was setting this one up, I was I started thinking about it. I was like, God, how long has it been since I, I spoke to Chris? And, well, yeah, it was yeah. Uh, after your last fight. Uh, yeah. Th- that was, uh, ago. yeah, before our world changed. Uh, you Before, that was like right <laughs> after too like i think after we talked it was like that week or somewhere around there where it just got crazy yeah i mean so like as you think about the last you know two plus years like in terms as your martial arts journey like how do you describe it a weird weird and it, it's it's been kind of a whirlwind you know especially like right at like it kind of was like martial arts went into this, like, especially where I'm from, where I'm at in Eugene, it was like, went into this like underground, like, you know, we were training wherever we could train for a little bit. We would sneak into the gym. We were sneaking into back doors, you know, trying to make sure we can get on the mats and still get training. And so, yeah, for a while it was, it was kind of crazy. Cool. But you know, now I'm glad it's over now. So I still say, I think the craziest story I heard from a fighter was where uh, they were training in their gym, in their uh, garage and they were using their car to wall walk. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a good one. I think the, the craziest time we, 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 we needed a place to kind of have some open space and we couldn't find a big enough spot. It was like when all the gyms closed before we started sneaking into the gym. Cause we did at, at one point and we went out to my in-laws. They have like a big, like, like a, almost like a farm. And they just had this like big concrete slab that was open. And we all just went out there, put our sparring stuff on with tennis shoes. And we were just out there sparring. We call it sparring on the farm. So we were out there for a little bit. We had to do that a couple of times. It was kind of crazy. Like, yeah, I think we all like had this like moment where we kind of realized that, that, that maybe there's, there's things we, we took for, for granted, you know, because we, mm-hmm. we just had the ability to go out and do in, in yeah. terms of, of your martial arts journey. Was there something that maybe you sat back and said, man, I, I now that this isn't there, I've kind of taken it for granted. 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think just like, like with anything, it was just, uh, the ability to just, you know, go and do something that you love to do. And not only that, you know, for a little bit, you know, I kind of always try and look at the positive sides of it. And for me, I got to really look at, you know, some of the aspects of training that maybe I didn't always, you know, put a hundred percent into like, you know, we always, everybody loves to go to the gym, get on the mats. They like to roll. They like to spar. They like to do all those things, but all like the little intricate things, like as far as recovery and as far as like outside of the gym, you know, as athletes, sometimes we kind of forget about those things. So I think for me, I took away a lot of that, like being able to really like hone in on certain things, like from nutrition to, you know, recovery to, you know, yoga, like just different things that I couldn't do. Like I didn't have time to do, I guess, cause I was at the gym all the time. So th- those kind of things were like kind of nice to take away from that kind of experience. Obviously not getting fights can be frustrating. Is yeah. that, is that a, a, another way you kind of describe this journey for you? Yeah, it was. And I would say more like the second half of that, you know, the, the second year, of kind of having a layoff was more frustrating because the, you know, right after my fight, I had a, I had a knee injury that I was, you know, healing up. And then we were kind of on the shelf for, uh, the, the, the tough, uh, series, the ultimate fighter. So we had almost like two whole training camps with that. Cause we had a training camp and they were like trying to release the date ago. Then they shut it down cause of COVID. And then we had, they picked it back up a few months later. And so we were training for that a lot. So, I mean, for me, I was getting ready for that for nine to 10 months out of, out of that whole time. Um, and then it ended up not working out the day before, like they were flying people out. They were like, Hey, you're an alternate, you know, if somebody gets hurt or injured, you're on the list kind of deal. And so that ended up happening. But so for me, for that first year, it wasn't too frustrating. I was like really excited training really hard, getting all the things that I need to do. Uh, but then after that, it was kind of a, it kind of started to get frustrating, especially that was, I say, I think two fights, two, three fights fell through. And I was just like, Jace, not now I'm like, I'm excited for this. I'm excited for this one. I still like, I mean, it's June 25th. I still have my fingers crossed. I still need to get in. Once the door locks, then I'll be like, okay, here we go. Let's, we can, we can have some fun now. Yeah. You know, you're taking on an undefeated guy. He's coming off winning a championship in Shamrock mm-hmm. FC. Now he's back yeah. uh, fighting kind of in his home region there up in the Michigan area. Um, I, I, as you look at Austin as his abilities, is there mm-hmm. something that sticks out to you above all else? You know, um, I would say, well, one, he's undefeated. So you look at undefeated guys. I've been there. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, he hasn't tasted a defeat. He is kind of he's kind of on a tear uh, with his record. He is young. He's athletic. He's strong. He's powerful. He's got a lot of skills. Um, you know, I think a couple of things that we've seen, um, we want to blast some holes through. But at the end of the day, you know, I think he looks to me um, and and to like our team just a good all around fighter. We've seen him really kind of dominate on the wrestling aspect of of some of his opponents. You know, as far as his top pressure looks really really good and. You know, so, you know, we'll, we'll go in there and kind of see what he has to offer. You know, I, I oppose a lot of different threats in a lot of different places. Um, so I always kind of look at myself as being able to kind of deal with whatever situation is going to, I'm going to, I'm going to put some pressure on. So do you feel like because of the fact of, you know, last time that he can watch a fight of yours was back in 2020, that uh-huh. the opening of this fight could be a little bit longer of a, of a, of a feel out process than maybe normally it would be. 
you know, um, it, I think it could be, you know, it's, it's hard. Yeah. Like there's not a ton, like there's some footage on me. There's not a ton out there. Um, there's some really old stuff, you know, as an amateur. Um, so yeah, I think it could be a little bit longer feel out process, but at the end of the day, you never really know, you know, I think that's why I like fighting. It's just, you know, if I wanted something, what I knew was going to happen guaranteed, I'd go and like, you know, do be an accountant or something and, you know, know what I'm going to get into every single day. And so for me, walking into that cage and not really knowing, is he going to come out hot and heavy and just, you know, want to throw, or is he going to want to wrestle? Don't really know. I, that's why I like doing what I do. So. Yeah. I mean, I heard this analogy a couple weeks ago from a fighter and when they said it to me, I was like, Oh wow. That's, that's a perfect analogy of mm-hmm. this game is the puzzle solving business. There's a thousand yeah. pieces. You just got to put all thousand together and you, you don't know how long, how, how long it's going to take. You know, it may take you 14 minutes and 30 seconds or it might take mm-hmm. you 30 seconds. Yep. Yep. And I, and I think that's a great analogy because I always use that as like, it, it is a puzzle and for me, especially like when I'm doing rounds, you know, especially when we're getting, trying to get, you know, we're getting the cardio where it needs to be. We're using a lot of fresh guys, you know, you're getting shark tanked a lot. That's one of my favorite things about that is you have to solve the puzzle piece every single round with different training partners, different people. And I, I, I love getting people in and, and doing that just even on a training basis. And so I, I feel like that's, you know, honestly, for me, one of my biggest strengths is that ability to adjust, make adjustments on the fly, make adjustments between rounds and really, you know, capitalize on what I need to do inside the ring. You know, Ed was mentioning about, uh, you know, life outside fighting, obviously, you know, with, with your family and uh, mm-hmm. say you mm-hmm. love to cook and play games with, with the family. So yeah. like if we're having like a family game night, you're cooking uh-huh. the dinner. What, what's 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 going on on the plate? Oh, man. Well, so I love cooking. You know, I like my dad, for example, is just like this just crazy, awesome cook. And he's been, you know, I've always watched him cook since I was little, but I didn't really get into cooking a ton until actually I started really like professionally fighting because I mean, honestly, I was like, man, I, 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 I need good food and I I don't want to enjoy also what I'm eating and not, I mean, I started off my career eating like, you know, the blandest chicken breasts ever. And that's not a life to live, you know, for a long time. So cooking kind of developed over the last six, seven years for me. And, uh, it doubt that answer would depend on whether I'm in training camp or out of training camp. But at, at the end of the day, they're always like, it's always going to be good ingredients. I think that's the biggest thing I took away, um, from, you know, learning about nutrition and just, I'm always trying to put just good food in my body. So, you know, never crap, um, always good, like organic and whole food stuff. You know, that's always what I'm trying to do. But I think one of like, one of my signatures, which would be like, everybody wants me to cook it when they come over and hang out and stuff like that is a, is a, it's a, it's a shrimp. It's a, it's a barbecued shrimp and it's, it's a kind of a family secret. Uh, we could either grill it, griddle it, um, but that's mostly what we're doing and it's, it's pretty fire. So when we're talking about, we're playing game night with, with the family is the competitive juices as strong as it is on fight night. No, (laughs) I try not to. I've, I've purposed my life. I'm super. uh, Yeah, you're right. I am super competitive. I have to try not to be competitive in other games and other things, but I've always been, I'm just really competitive. You know, if you put like some lawn games out there, I will want to win every single time, but card games and board games are the things that I 
do not care if I win or lose. Okay. I will, I will get smoked. Like, you know, I, you ever played speed, like the card yeah, yeah. game, right? My wife beats me every single time. Like I can never win. I'm just never, I've never won once. And hearts is also another one that I just, I just can't seem to win. And, but I keep playing it and I just, I have fun doing it. And I think that's, that's a good like balance of not being competitive in something. And that's my thing. I'm a spades guy. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know, I don't it, play a lot of spades. The, the only thing that would ever get me frustrated if you're, you know, you're playing with a partner and they bid wrong and you're just like, what the hell are you doing over there? <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Because, uh, you know, you, you get around the fellas, you know, it gets it, it yep. get a little competitive, you know, you know some, yeah. some drinks in hand and it gets a little yeah, competitive exactly. there. Uh, like like poker or something like that. I don't really, I don't really gamble. I suck at gambling. So that's one other thing. Like I lose every single time. So that's, it, it keeps you balanced. I got to lose at something and I'll take, I'll take that out of their stuff versus fighting. So and of course uh, you got this fight come up here, June 25th lights out championship. Number eight as always, man. I appreciate time. Of course, uh, let me know that you can follow you on social media. Anybody else you want to mention, man? Heck yeah. Uh, no, I appreciate you having me on. I really do. Uh, I love doing this. I love uh, performing for my, my fans. You guys can follow me, uh, Christopher, uh, San Jose official of my Instagram. And that's my Facebook page. So yeah, I'm really excited for this June 25th matchup. And that was my conversation with Chris San Jose. I appreciate him taking some time out of his day to talk to me about his matchup here against Austin Bashi. Of course, when I talked to him, it was going to be the co-main event of this fight card. Of course, now the main event with the Gutierrez and McPadden fight off this fight card. As I mentioned right before the interview, I think that when you look at both of these guys with what they have accomplished to this point in their career, the winner of this matchup would not surprise me one bit. Maybe you see them you know, find themselves on a contender series matchup this summer or maybe into a short-notice UFC fight. Of course, the contender series uh, going to start in about a month from now, end of July. So, uh, contender series is one of those things I absolutely lo- do love to watch. Uh, you know, Tuesday nights are typically nice. I do work late and uh, like to have it, uh, whether I'm, I'm in my, my home office or over in my studio. And uh, looking forward to seeing some of those matchups. Of course, uh, coming up on Wednesday, myself and Daniel Galvan will take a deeper dive into what happened uh, last night at UFC Austin. Also, get you ready for Friday's PFL event. Friday's Bellator event. Bellator is back in our lives on Friday as well. It feels like it's been so long since they had that Storley versus Page fight. Of course, going to be uh, that fight card on Friday from the Mohegan Sun up there in Connecticut. Going to be headlined by Gegard Musasi taking on Johnny Edwin. Also, we've got the continuation of the Bantamweight Grand Prix. Danny Sabatello taking on Leandro Higo. Magomed Magomedov taking on Enrique Barzal. Also, you got Bryn Ward taking on Cassius Kane. I know Bryn uh, has been doing some training with my buddy Pete Rogers Jr. up there in Connecticut. Also, you got Brent Premis taking on Alexander Shalby. Brent Premis was on last Sunday's edition of the podcast. Of course, you missed that interview. You can check it out uh, in audio form here on the podcast, or it is available over on the MMA Report YouTube channel. Uh, you got Kat Zingano versus Pam Sorensen, which uh, is interesting because of you know what uh, the future holds for Chris Cyborg. Of course, uh, it's been while well, we talked about the fact of her contract is coming to an end. You would imagine, you know, Kat Zingano wanted to get 
another fight before taking on Chris uh, for taking on Chris Cyborg. You know, she's got a tough matchup here uh, against Pam Sorensen, but you would imagine, and you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see kind of what does happen with Chris Cyborg. Uh, I would expect that the PFL is going to make a big run at her. The question ultimately, I think, comes down to is, is whether or not uh, Bellator is going to open up the pocketbook. Uh, for Chris Cyborg. Uh, also, uh, you know, Anatoly Talkov is on the preliminary card. I mean, just a couple weeks ago, it just kind of feels like he was put on this fight card potentially as a backup plan or something uh, maybe happened in the main event. But, uh, you know, when you look at the preliminary card, I will tell you the things that stick out to me about this preliminary card. Cody Law, the undefeated featherweight, he's taken on James Gonzalez. Uh, also, Lucas Brennan, another undefeated prospect there. He's a guy to pay attention to. Bellator has been developing Lucas Brennan and developing him along. And, and, and essentially, you know, it's kind of, it's like this entry-level deal where they're basically, you know, it's like kind of like a prospect-type deal where they're just giving fights, let them get. But he is a guy to pay attention to uh, there. Uh, you got Aaron Jeffrey making his Bellator debut. Uh, Alexander Lars on this fight card. Some Bahamas, he's on this fight card. So uh, as of right now, 14 fights on Friday for that Bellator card uh, should be a good one. You know, really, you know, the main event is a little fascinating to me. Obviously, you have the undefeated guy in Johnny Eblen training out of American Top Team. Uh, you have to imagine that he is going to try to go the wrestling route, maybe in a way try to mimic the game plan uh, that um Rafael Lovato did with u- utilizing grappling. I, I wouldn't imagine that he's going to try and make that a stand-up fight, but uh, interested in that. Uh, and, uh, you know, really, um, Thursday will be interesting to see. Does Leandro Higo make weight? We've seen him uh, with the issues he's had with making weight. Uh, and, and, of course, Danny Sabatello, to me, you know, he has been my dark horse since he got put into this tournament in the wild card spot. The wrestling, the pace that he brings. I mean, look, I understand that the way uh, he promotes himself, some people are going to love him. Some people are going to hate him. But the one thing that you cannot deny is this guy is a tremendous fighter. He's going to put a pace on Leandro Higo. And one of my questions is, can Higo match that pace, particularly if this fight hits a fourth and fifth round? That is something about these two bantamweight tournament fights. They were both five-round fights. So three of your four fights on the main card on Friday – will be five scheduled for five round five so potentially potentially could be a uh could be a long night there but i will say this i uh i do not expect uh i do like any sabotella win i think he's gonna finish leandro higo at some point and uh i i do like maga made off t- on barzola there i haven't really looked at the betting odds there but i would imagine uh that sabotella and maga made off will be substantial favorites in that that one but of course uh myself and daniel will take a deeper dive into that car we'll take a deeper dive into the ufc vegas car of course headlined by that top 15 lightweight matchup of course as always appreciate you taking time out of your down day to download and listen to this episode if you're listening to this here on a sunday night uh, hopefully you're having a great Father's Day if you're a father out there. And uh, I will talk to you on Wednesday on the next episode of the MMA Report Podcast.